When booking with other vacation rental apps sounds like this. This place doesn't look like the pictures. Ah! Is there a door behind all those spiders? It's time to try one that sounds more like a vacation. Ah, this is perfect. Relax, you booked a Verbo. What is up? Guys, a, a little housekeeping. Love It or Leave It is going on tour with Pod Tours America. There are some tickets left for October 5th in Madison. Uh, October 7th will be part of the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. November 3rd, we're going to be at the Anthem in D.C. Those tickets, if you're hearing this now, those tickets are now on sale. And there are some tickets left for the second show at the Beacon in New York on Saturday, November 11th. End of housekeeping. Guys, uh, I'm very excited about our first guest. We have a fantastic panel for you, but before that, I'm going to sit down with somebody that I'm so excited to talk to. He has a Netflix special called Too Real. He stars in Glow, has a book called Waiting for the Punch, out on October 10th. He is the host of one of my favorite podcasts, one of the great podcasts, podcast legend, let's face it, WTF with Mark Marin. Please welcome Mark Marin. How's it going? It's pretty good. You're trying to lose weight? Uh, always, always. How's I'm it at, going? <laughs> uh, it's going pretty well. I am in a contest. It's not a contest. It's more like the Paris Climate Accords with a friend of mine. Yeah. And uh, there's, no, um, there's no actual enforcement mechanism, but we have to, there's transparency. Well, isn't there a fucking scale? There is a scale, but I'm not going for weight loss. You know, I'm, I'm not going, you know, I, you know, I want to convert things into other things. I'm not trying to get rid of things. You're, you're in... You know what I mean? You're an alchemist of some kind? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to turn this... I'm trying to squeeze <laughs> this coal into a fucking diamond. <laughs> and it's fucking tough because I keep going to yeah. norms in the morning. <laughs> I, will give you, I will give you an example of yeah. how dark this can get. Oh boy. The other day, I was minding my own business uh. on the street, on the streets of Los Angeles. Yeah. And I was not hungry. <laughs> and I walked by Magnolia Bakery. Yeah. I can avoid Magnolia Bakery 99 uh-huh. times out of 100. Yeah. But if it gets me that one time, I'm fucked. So anyway, I turn into the Magnolia Bakery. I mean, this is premeditated. This is, this is rational, terrible decision-making. It's addiction. It's, it's addiction. addiction. Call it what it is. I want to tell You're you what I did. I'm a sick crap. person. Let me tell you what I did. I walked in to the Magnolia Bakery, mm. and I said, one slice of sheet cake, please. <laughs> and I bought a slice of cake, I didn't even know, like, that is nuts. That's a, like, okay, okay, you want to indulge, you buy a cupcake. Yeah. Let me tell you how the, the, uh, the uh, addiction plus the Judaism uh-huh. connected in this moment. <laughs> and I'm I familiar can, with it. The cupcakes are 375, but the slice of cake is 450. And I'm telling you, you're getting a lot more cake for your money at 450. Yeah. And uh, do you know how embarrassing it is to be in a bakery and there's the sun is out and you're alone and you say, they say, do you want this to go? And you say, no, please put it on a plate. Yeah, they, they believe me, you're not the only one that does that. They couldn't even look at me at the register. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you go do it again or two or three times a week, become a regular with that shit. Let's see if you're, what's the you usual? you're made of. Just show up there twice a week. And so you're, they, you walk in and they're like, get him the cake. Get him the cake. Hey, Francis. Hey, Julia. Hey, Ma- <laughs> hey, Tom. Hey, John. So what do you want to talk about, man? So politics. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you recently had, so you had a P- Pete Davidson on WTF on What the Fuck. Yeah. And it was a fascinating conversation. But there was one little moment that, that stuck with me, which is you talked about the fact that Trump represents a kind of brand of New York racist, kind of Queens, Brooklyn, Guy, yeah, uh, and I and I've often found that, that Staten Island, Staten Island, that's where Pete was from, yeah, that's where Pete is from, a kind of a kind of guy, and I was hoping you could talk more about that guy because I feel like there are people from New York that has, feel like they have a kind of access to Trump that people outside of New York that haven't spent a lot of time there don't well, have. Well, for years he was just this an annoying asshole 
that he would show up at places. <laughs> no one liked him really in New York. He was like a clown that everybody sort of knew was there. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, there's this asshole again. That was who he was. Just on the circuit. Yeah, yeah, out in the street, you know, wherever he'd show up, he was very present in New York culture. But I don't get the feeling that he had a lot of fans. Yeah, he was an <laughs> annoying presence. But I think the people that you're talking about, I don't, like, I know that he's a very specific type of Queens racist, but there's a lot of very aggressive personalities in New York that I don't know if they're racist, but there's an anger there that's always there. Yeah, yeah. There are those guys that are in sort of constant conversation with the world around them as they move through it. Like, they're just walking and talking to things. Oh, here she comes with the car. Oh, look at this guy with his bag of food. You know, like, oh, look at this one. What's he doing with the hat here? Look at the hat on this, this guy. This, fu this fucking guy yeah, selling hot yeah. dogs. Look at this fucking guy. Yeah, yeah, look, oh, here comes this fucking guy. Yeah, that this guy. This fucking guy. Now, I don't know if they're racist. They're, they're aggravated, but they're managing it. <laughs> <laughs> by having a constant engagement with the world around them that they're irritated with on it's some a, level. It's a, it's, a, it's a colloquy. Yeah, but I, I know what you're saying, but like for years when I lived there, and I haven't lived there in a long time, I mean, you have these, the, these type of people, but like I didn't know them. You, you know, there is a, there is a sort of, um, a, 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 there, there's an intensity to New York City that the old timers live with, and they kind of move through the world with this kind of defensive but yet hostily charming persona. But I didn't register most of them as being racist necessarily. I mean, clearly, you know, I, I imagine if you asked Trump, he would say he wasn't a racist if you really pressed him on it. Well, right? no one would ever, I mean, very few people would admit to the fact that they're racist, though. No, no, some of them will. I've seen them on Twitter. <laughs> That's true. I, uh, <laughs> There's plenty of people that will shamelessly admit to things they wouldn't have admitted to before this idiot got into office. Well, that's it, true. Yeah, and it, they're, they're proud of it. And it's bizarre to me. I, I really can't, I don't, I'm, I really need the news to stop using the word unprecedented and just say shitty. They, you, you know, at what point do they go like, uh, this is unprecedented? No, it's shitty. He did a douchebaggy thing. Change doubling down to he's a douchebag again. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's sort of like, unprecedented since the last unprecedented it's actually not unprecedented it's just a different brand of shit it's, yeah, from it's two weeks shitty. ago he's always shitty I, this isn't the worst thing Trump has done it's just a new worst thing and you forgot about the thing from two weeks ago but I think it's hard to really sort of like you can compare him to other New Yorkers and you know I don't really know the guy I was on Conan O'Brien with him once years ago and I know I, I, I knew he was frightening then that I knew like I, I why I don't know why, but like I, I watched this segment recently. He was on before me. I didn't go talk to him. It was back when it was at NBC. It must have been like in the early 90s, mid 90s. And I didn't go meet him before the show. But he got out there, and for some reason, in the middle of his segment, he just pulled a condom out of his pocket and started playing with it, you know? And, and it was in the package. But he wanted to, he thought he, you know, and, and Conan's like, what's that? He's like, well, you know, I was scary. Well, it was like a. Yeah. And, right. Oh, and what then, kind of fucking. You know. Think about how uncool and ridiculous you are to be like, you know what's cool? Having a condom. A condom. Yeah. <laughs> so I got out there after he got off, and, I, and my first joke was, the first thing I said was, uh, it's weird with, uh, with Trump and the condom, because I think most prostitutes carry their own with them now. Like, <laughs> so, and I, and I, but, but right after that, I said, you're going to find me in the East River tomorrow. Like, I knew... <laughs> That he exuded a connected vibe that was, you know, scary. He was scary. Like, I didn't say that real. I was making a joke, but I said it. So it was, you know, I felt that. Did you have any contact with him after the joke? No, I, I, was, I was nervous about it. I, I really was nervous. It's nervous. I've, I've said a lot so of things. That, like, I'm glad I said them. But for days after, I'm like, oh, I'm so fucked for saying that. <laughs> But I've said, I've said it, I got over it. But no, I, I never met him, but a lot of comics have met him. And it's, it's difficult for a lot of them. Uh, it you know, if, I don't know if you've talked to Jeff Ross or, you know. Well, we talked to Jeff Ross on this stage about it, about yeah, like the yeah. roast and meeting him and, and he, what he's like. But if you keep pressing Jeff, he'll literally get to the point where he'll be like, I'm concerned that he's not eating well. Like, there, <laughs> there's still some part of Trump that has endeared himself to, to a lot of people. Well, it's, you know, I, I grew up in New York, and it's, it is hard for people outside of New York to understand what kind of presence he was. He wasn't, he was just background noise, but he was always there, this funny, silly, ridiculous, larger-than-life New York figure. Right. You know, mostly innocuous, 
of course, treated innocuous. In hindsight, it's like, wait a second, he tried to kill five innocent kids because they were black. So that's that was pretty fucking heinous. Yeah. But it was the 80s. Uh, 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 <laughs> but uh, I think that, that that is part of it because comics that spent a lot of time in New York early in their career spent a lot of time seeing Trump on the local news. He's a fixture of the local news. He was here, he was there. The divorces, lying about things. Yeah, lying, yeah. the divorce playing out on yeah. page six and yeah. on cover the tabloids. It was just he part of the, the story. He loved the attention. Yeah, it's it's I can't like I it's hard for me to talk about in a comedic way because every day I have to figure out how to detach enough to have a life that isn't consumed with anxiety and terror. How's it going? It's difficult, man. <laughs> well, no, you like, know, because <laughs> you get to this point where it's sort of if you're not careful and you're sensitive and and you're you're properly minded, uh, where you things tend to get despairing. Like you you know you watch TV or you just enjoy mundane things and you're like this isn't even fucking working anymore. <laughs> you know what's the point of this? Shouldn't I be doing something else? Why am I enjoying something? Why? <laughs> and and I don't know what to do with that energy because there is there's only so much you can do. And then you realize like like you were saying is that he he loves making us mad and scared. He thrives on it. So as soon as you start reacting to it and letting your life crumble in any way, even if it's mentally or emotionally or, or however it's doing it to you, you're, you're letting a, a narcissistic monster who wants nothing more than to see you in pain win. And so <laughs> you have to enjoy yourself and have your life. You and try. And then allot some time in the morning to be despairing and hopeless and angry. You know, you know pace yourself when you check the phone, the news. Don't rush into it. You know, brace and then, you know, pop it open. You're like, oh, God. And, you know, feel it, process it, and then try to have a fucking day. Yeah. You people do not get to applaud. And let me tell you why. Every single fucking one of you are so up on the news. How many of you know that Zinke at Interior had a private jet problem? Yeah, that broke this afternoon. You're animals. I know, but, but, but yeah, we're animals. But, but, like, look, I was... For eight years, I was at Air America at the be in the beginning. I remember. And, and, and it was like, I had to take a crash course in understanding politics because I was not a wonk. I was like, a, you know, sort of a comedian, just a, a you know, reactive idiot. I, I was just, I old wanna, school. I want you to know that I bought a boombox to listen to the first day of Air America Radio. <laughs> yeah? That's real. <laughs> Why'd you buy a boombox? Because I, I'd Oh, stupid. you didn't have a radio. I didn't have a radio. Oh, I I'm, in, I'm in my apartment in New York, and I needed a radio, so I went to the store and bought a boombox. But... Well, thank you. I appreciate the effort, and I hope it was a good I day I listened for all you. day. It meant a lot to me. It was, it was something, right? It was exciting that I had to get day. up at 2.30 in the morning to crunch the news and be on the air at 6, and I was out of my mind. I would, I would eat, like, packages of M&Ms and drink Dunkin' Donuts coffee. So if you listen to me on Air America, it was pure induced mania I would, all the fucking time. I would go to a pizza place in the corner of 10th and 43rd in New York. I'd buy two slices of pizza. I'd walk into my apartment. I'd turn on the boombox. In the morning? Just, in the, <laughs> anytime. Okay. <laughs> Again, problem. <laughs> when Vito's opened, I was there. Hey, hey Vito. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Early bird, you know. <laughs> I'll take the ones from yesterday. <laughs> You don't <laughs> keep them? They're in the garbage. That's okay. I'll get them. My keys work. <laughs> My keys at Vito still work. Uh, good. Um, oh, so anyways, what I was saying is like, we were so engaged with the shit. All, like, you know, I would go down rabbit holes because I didn't know enough about government really and how it worked. And I remember your rabbit holes. Yeah, right. Like, you know, we were so hung up on like, you know, Karl Rove and like, you know, what he was doing and then the Abramoff things broke. Like, we were so into every rabbit hole. And then when I got out of there and I started the podcast and, you know, and, and Obama was president, I was like, I'm done with that shit. And for eight years, I was done with it. And now this happened. And, and like at the beginning of it, when, you know, at the beginning of Trump, when there was all that fascist theater going on with the signing and the holding and, you know, and then Blood there. Yeah, yeah, just sort of like, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> and because I just have enough narcissism to freak out at, at anything, I was sure that, that I was not going to be able to get a passport because Bannon wasn't going to let me personally get one. <laughs> It wasn't about you. That's no, weird. It, but that, it was but, not but for about a month, it was. It was really about me. <laughs> and and I, you know, my girlfriend and I went to went to Hawaii the week he took office, and it was ruined. Everything it, he ruined it. 
Trump ruined he Hawaii. Ruined, he ruined Hawaii. I was on Kauai. Honestly, I didn't. Uh, t- to this moment, to me, the thing I remember from the beginning was the Muslim ban, but I didn't know about this other thing of it ruining Hawaii. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that's my selfishness. Like, <laughs> like, all that was happening, and I'm in Hawaii going, like, there's going to be blood in the streets. The Jews are going to be taken away. And that, it was, it was like, it was all about the Jews for me, right? <laughs> So eventually, my girlfriend, like I'm paraphrasing, basically said, you know, I don't think you're first on the list. So, <laughs> so I really took that in. I'm like, you know, you're probably right. There's probably a couple other groups before me, and I should wait it out. There's literally so, a poem about how that's not a good way to handle it. Literally, first they came for. It's then, a whole and, thing. And they and hang then, it up in English yeah, class. And then there was no one there for me when they came that's for me. That's the worst mentality. I didn't say I was leaving. Okay. I said I was going to wait it out and help who I could. Uh, waiting it out sounds bad. Well, that's what we're doing. <laughs> what do you think we're doing? I guess we're waiting it out. That's right, we're waiting it out. You can get involved all you want. Know all the news you can. But what can you fucking do? Well, that's the thing, though. We are all reading the news so much more than before. And Thank goodness. <laughs> well, there's parts of it that are really great, but... Thank God for the journalists. They're like, there's like the one check we have. They're like that, they're, thank it's amazing. God. Thank God. Incredible journalism. Day. But at the same time... What did we do with the chunk of our brain that's Trump-focused, right? As a nation, we have collectively taken a bunch of our attention from different parts of our lives, and we've put it on our worst person. Like, what is the damage he that loves that it. does? He loves of it. Of course he you loves know, it, but like, we can't help you, that. But that's the thing is, like, when you flip open your goddamn phone in the news and all those pictures of him, they, say, they serve the same purpose as, like, you know, pictures of Mao or Stalin and, or statues did in totalitarian regimes. We're doing it to ourselves. You just sit there and every goddamn picture just hits you in the head to your fucking dreaming about that monster. And I... Uh, all right, look. How many people here have had Trump dreams? Depressing. How, of course he's going to get course. in there. That's where he wants to be. He's Freddy Krueger. He he's is. It. He's the clown from fucking It. <laughs> but, the, but, <laughs> what you're saying, Politics. though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm in it all, um, I'm all day long, I check. I'm having a hard time not checking now. So you're thought. back in. You're back in. Well, that's what I was going to say, is that it was amazing how quickly you can just, like, regroove, get back into the narrative. But there's so many more bad guys. Like, I had this... There's a lot of things that are shattered for me. Like, I used to have this... I mean, me, even during Bush, I, I thought, like, you know what? The majority of Americans, you know, are good people. And I think I had the numbers wrong. They're not as many as I thought. <laughs> like, I... Like, I really used to believe that. You know, most Americans are good people. I'm like, I don't know, maybe most, but not by a lot. Not by a lot. <laughs> It's a closer game than you thought it was. Yeah, exactly. These teams are a bit more evenly matched. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but are they? Like, I, I, I talk about that on my special. Like, how do, isn't that, do you believe, what do you believe? What? Now, do you, okay, so I know people that, that voted for Trump, and, and I've got to deal with those people if I choose to deal with them. And they, I've known them for years. Do you think, you know, this is a time for trying to connect with other Americans or a time to fight it out and, and hopefully the justice will prevail? I think it's both. I think that there are Trump superfans and then there are Trump voters and they're different. I think that there's people most mo- motivated by racial animus and there's people motivated by grievance. There are people that, liberals that like to say things like, oh, these are people voting against their own interest. But I find that's not helpful. Uh, I think the better question is, uh, why yeah. don't we understand their interest? Or more to the point, why do people value their economic interest uh, and their healthcare interest and their, their tax code and all the rest? Why do they value that less than they value these cultural touchstones they, what, they, what they put these they, feelings what and they these... value over everything else is fuck you right why fuck you what's the value of that and what is the what are the words we're not saying or the case we're not making or the policy we're not proposing to let people know that they don't have to do that yeah that they can make a different choice and i think that that's part of what trump has woken up right that's part of why we're all paying attention to the news so much i think is try to figure out like what the fuck yeah but don't you think that some people are just kind of like, you know, they're like, they're, they just want to see it it's, it's permission. It's permission. You know, there's like, there's all these studies about like the first person to throw a chair and the yeah. second person to throw a chair. Where do you throw these chairs? Where's this happening? You know, <laughs> riots, sales at Walmart on Black like Friday. What's the environment for chair throwing it's, generally? I, I, think it's, I think it's, you know, uh, hectic Chuck E. Cheese's. They did, uh, they, that's where they did the study? 
They did a lot of at it a at a restaurant where the service was bad. It was a Chucky. It was a Chuck E. Cheese in Asbury Park, New Jersey, <laughs> uh, which for some reason was representative in some kind of larger way. I don't fully remember. I don't know. I didn't really. I just read the abstract. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you have to go. But before you go, there was one thing I wanted to ask because you know you have. This did we do something here? Did something happen? Did it go good? This was good. Don't All ask right. them for permission. They, 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 you know this went well. All right. Uh, before we go, you have this book coming out that kind of looks at a lot of the interviews you've done over the years. And before we came out, I said, you know, I was going to ask you about some of the lessons you learned. And you said that there was one big lesson from oh, all these me, interviews. All the, yeah, hundreds well, of interviews. You sat well, down with people and had these intimate conversations. I do. I've had a lot of intimate conversations. And just for me, not really feeling like I ever set out to be an interviewer, the one thing I know about everyone is that they're, they're never anything, they're never what you expect them to be. Like, it's weird because most of the people I talk to are public personalities, so you can look at their work, you can look at, you know, what they did, you can look at the Wikipedia, you can build a person in your head. But, and, and I do that all the time, and I have a relationship. Like, when Cranston came to my house, Brian Cranston, I really think I wanted to interview Walter White, and I was insistent on it. Like, I, I thought that was the interview I wanted, and he kept fucking it up. Brian Cranston. We have Tony Goldwyn here tonight, and I still think he's the villain from Ghost. Right. But you've got that in your head. It's a problem. But what I've learned from talking to people over time is that like, there's so much more to almost everybody. And, 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 and I'm, never, I'm, I'm never bored, and I'm always surprised by how interesting most people are if yeah. you give them a second. Well, Mark Marin, I love your show. I loved having the chance to talk to you. Thanks for coming. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for, for having being me. Here. Guys, it. give Thank it up you, for Thank Mark you. Marin. Thank you. When we come back, our awesome panel. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Love It or Leave It is brought to you by Angels Envy. How can envy be a motivating force that inspires people? I don't know. I mean, Maybe look at look at Elon Musk. I mean, just you know, <laughs> envy makes the world go round. Envy and FOMO. That's basically it. That's ba- yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's, the Half, that's capitalism. <laughs> Envy is commonly regarded as a vice, but it can be a good thing. Envy can be a catalyst for creation, inspiring the world to raise the bar. And Angel's Envy is a bourbon that is worth the envy. I was wondering where we were going with this. Angel's Envy bends the traditional rules of whiskey. It's a little different from all other bourbons out there. This bourbon makes the perfect gift for any occasion. Angel's Envy are the pioneers of secondary finishing in bourbon and one of the first full production urban distilleries in downtown Louisville. With its unique bottle design, Angel's Envy bourbon finished in port barrels is sure to be the envy of any bar cart, too. Look for Angel's Envy bourbon finished in port barrels. Please drink responsibly. Copyright 2024 Angel's Envy bottled by Louisville Distilling Company, Louisville, Kentucky. At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5-gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. And we're back. Very excited about our panel today. She is a writer and co-host of the podcast Another Round. Please welcome Heaven Nagatu. He is a screenwriter and co-host of the screenwriting podcast Script Notes and producer of an upcoming HBO miniseries called Chernobyl. Please welcome Craig Mazin. He is an actor starring in the new film about Watergate, Mark Felt, the man who brought down the White House, and he plays President Fitzgerald Grant in Scandal. Please welcome Tony Goldwyn. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. I've been drinking upstairs. Terrific. Yeah. I've been drinking. Oh, good. <laughs> it's going to be a we loose have one show. One drink, guys. Yeah. One drink. Everybody's <laughs> losing it. <laughs> I see some friends of the pod up here. I didn't mention that earlier, but I do like to highlight it because you have the merch. Not the guy in the flannel shirt who was talking very early in the show. <laughs> but what are you going to do? All right, let's get into it. What a week. <laughs> 
so, you know, I'm not going to run through all the NFL bullshit. You guys all know what happened. We all know what happened. So, in the days since, there's been this reaction during Sunday, Sunday night football? When did the football games happen? All day Sunday. Uh, you know, all kinds of teams responded. You're, you're, it's weekend football day. Your Dallas Cowboys, your your Seattle Seahawks. Hey, very good, very good. Your New England uh, Patriots. Uh, Heaven, I'll start with you. How have you felt about the NFL's response this week? The kind of the different versions of kneeling and not kneeling, <laughs> kneeling oh, before, Lord. during, and after, not coming out, statements, empty statements, more profound statements. Where's your head at? Unity. <laughs> yeah. I love that narrative. No, I feel like, okay, just to back up a little, I feel like it, it, there's never been an easier time to protest. Like, truly, the, the sides are Nazis, not Nazis. <laughs> like, what, it, what are your qualms? What are your questions? The sides are like, people not dying is the thing we're fighting. Or are you pro-black people dying? What? So, like, I feel like the protest, we've lost sight of the simple act that was being asked, which is like, hey, can police not kill black people? That'd be dope. <laughs> you know what I mean? You feel like that's been lost already? Yeah, like now that the, the owners are in solidarity with who? Like black people? News to me? <laughs> well, they also all donated to Trump. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, And Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job. He still don't have a job. Like how, like you guys have lost sight of what we're even talking about. Tony, do you follow football? Kind of like you, John. Okay. <laughs> Craig, do you follow football? Uh, yeah, ish. <sighs> <laughs> I don't follow it. So you picked the wrong topic. No, no, it's, it's, I, I gotta say, like, I've, I've seen, Colin Kaepernick, I, I would want the crowd to tell me this because I honestly have not been able to suss it out. Would he, is he good enough to be on a team? Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's okay. without question. Without question, without he's good question. enough to be on a team and he's absolutely. not on a team because is of Trump politics. Is good enough to be president? No, he that's, should have that's a different, Do that's it a, even matter? <laughs> That's like, the irony of all cares? these owners who, over the weekend, who team. took a knee and joined hands, or didn't take a knee and joined hands, and seemed so, you know, heartfelt and outraged. None of them have offered him a job. No. And well, the NFL's unity is a unity of money. They are really good at selling and making money. They are extraordinarily good at it. And unlike the unions in baseball and basketball, which do a fairly, well, in baseball, an amazing job of representing the players, the employees, and in basketball, a pretty good job. The NFL Players Union has always been considered the weakest. They don't have guaranteed contracts. If they get injured, which, as it turns out, they are all getting injured in their brains, Right. Eek. they can just cancel the contract and you're done. The average length of an NFL career is down to like four years or something. These people are being hurt and then discarded all in service of this massive show, this gladiatorial sport. And so they will do anything they need to do to keep that machine running. And I think Trump, at long last, made it easy for them to go, oh, well, you can't attack the NFL. We're, we're the NFL, so we'll just unify behind the NFL. Not behind right. black people, not behind victims of police brutality. Right. Us. That's what, now, the players, I think, it's a different story. You're talking about a league that I think is 70% African-American. Mm, talk I, about it. Talk about okay. it. <laughs> I think the players, I think the players have a very heartfelt response here. You could see some weirdness going on where some of them were like, we're not going out on the field, but then one guy's going out on the field, and now they're cheering. It's, it's a rough situation for them. So, what are, what are the coaches, not the coaches, the owners, what do the owners think they're on the field for? Well, according to Trump, think? now they're scared of their players. So he said, he said that today. He that said scared of the, the NFL players are, are scared of their players, the, uh, the owners. That's, so that's if you didn't see that one, that was nice. And how about, <laughs> what is your term for Trump that I love? Dottie old, Dottie racist. old racist. The thing that also was lost <laughs> in this whole thing is Roy Moore, who he wasn't campaigning for, who won, is like the Dottie old racist <laughs> of Dottie old racist. He was, he was. Your favorite <laughs> racist, favorite racist. I mean, the racist, <laughs> racist. Roy Moore, Roy Moore was a crazy nut to show that there were deep problems within the Republican Party like long before Trump ever showed up. We will get to Roy Mar Moore. Okay. <laughs> One more thing on this though. Uh, I feel like there's, there's also been this coverage around this of sort of a kind of, I don't know, what, what you call it, of a, 
uh, like a sigh followed by a, can't we just have some place where politics, Aww. where we're safe Aww. from What oh. a goddamn luxury. <laughs> right here. Oh, that would be nice. Right Wouldn't it be here. nice if you could have some place where you could drive a car and not get shot? That would be nice. Won't someone think of the white yes. people? Yes. <laughs> But what do you think yes. about, like, so, so I, I don't even know what the best argument for it is to say, you know, this is, that they're, that, that this is bringing politics into football. What do you think about that? What a luxury to live in a world where politics is not immediately brought in for you, that your body's not politicized. Like, come on. You want to tap out on Sundays? Me too, bitch. Me too. Right. Like, come on. It, it's sort of like a, it's like a, it says, like, basically, I need a place where we pretend everything is fine. Right. It's also, it's bullshit. They have politicized it for years to their own advantage. They have politicized their affinity for the military. They have connected patriotism to a, a, a kind of celebration of the military. I think celebrating fighting men and women is a patriotic thing to do, assuming that they're good men and women. I think the vast majority of our soldiers are. But they have kind of commodified that. So that's part of the gig now. I think someone mentioned that the, uh, the Dodgers at every game have a, a sort of a hero, an American hero, and it is always a service person. They are American heroes by and large, but so also are nurses, so also are teachers. So, also yeah. are, so they, sports has narrowed the definition of patriotism to pro-militarism. It's much wider than that. And I think a huge part of the bandwidth of what it means to be patriotic is to stand up and defend your fellow American citizens who are being treated unfairly. Yeah, it is true. It, it sort of, it also, it connects back, I think, to the response to hurricanes in that we celebrate heroics and rescue, uh, but not service and help and comfort. That we elevate these virtues, these sort of uh, martial virtues over the helping virtues, and that's well, what football and Trump, is. Trump was doing that all weekend instead of talking about the catastrophe of three and a half million people in Puerto Rico. I mean, yeah, no, that's exactly American right. citizens in Puerto Rico. And, um, yeah, you know, citizens, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and, and just before we move on, you know, while all this was going on, you know, it's funny, I was talking about this with uh, Mark Marin, which is a, where, where is our attention going that we used to talk about other things? Well, this was sort of a clear-cut case where instead of being focused on a massive natural disaster uh, affecting millions of Americans who are without water and electricity and power, we were focused on Trump. So just to, you know, look, that crisis is ongoing. It's, it's, it's a humanitarian disaster, and you can go to globalgiving.org uh, to donate and help. You can go to globalgiving.org to donate and help. I repeat it exactly the same way, because one of you had a phone. <laughs> You're the one with a phone. I don't care. I'm living for this drama, yes. <laughs> Very aggressive up here. I alpha out like Don Jr. Not Don Jr. By the <laughs> Don Jr., man, gave up his secret service for one week. What was that week about? Do we know? It was some sort of hunting excursion? I don't know if it's just hunting. I hear people saying hunting. I, I want to know more. I think Ashley Feinberg's on the case, and I, I'm excited to find out where it leads. What are your theories? I'm so curious what you uh, think could be I happening. Will not, I will not spend my time. Boy uh, friend. <laughs> you know what, Craig? Boy I hope he does have friend. one. Everyone deserves one. <laughs> Healthcare. <laughs> On Tuesday, you know, you remember, you remember Tuesday a thousand years ago? Uh, Graham, uh, Graham Cassidy uh, officially was declared dead by Mitch McConnell. He had hard nose from John McCain, Rand Paul, Susan Collins. This marks the fourth failed Obamacare repeal attempt since the start of summer. Uh, and what a summer it was. We are back to a bipartisan bill. You know, one thing that was interesting that, uh, so Lamar Alexander and Patty Murray had been working on this bipartisan stabilization effort to kind of make tweaks to Obamacare. And then all of a sudden, the Republicans said the talks have break, broken down. There's no hopes for bipartisanship. There's, we're too far apart. The only hope is Graham Cassidy. And then the Democrats said, no, that's a fucking lie. Mitch McConnell told Lamar Alexander to walk away because he wanted to create the leverage to pass Graham Cassidy. And once again, this was covered as a one side says one thing, one side says the other. You know, these, this is the controversy, this is the argument. And lo and behold, Graham Cassidy fails. And what happens? The bipartisan talks are back. 
And you know what I think is nice? I saw a lot of pundits being really reflective about their failure to properly adjudicate that. They did not do fucking anything. They didn't learn a goddamn thing. Uh, <laughs> one thing that did happen as a part of this is that Donald Trump said the following. We have one senator who's a yes vote, a great person, but he's in the hospital. And he's a yes vote, so we can't do it by Friday, so we have the votes. Um, now, this was an interesting comment because it is not true. Uh, doesn't have the votes, not in the hospital. In fact, there was a day of kind of frenzy trying to figure out what the fuck he was talking about. And, and apparently, uh, Thad Cochran, uh, I don't know, had like, a, had like a doctor's appointment or something. And uh, he was a guaranteed yes and not part of the problem. But that became a senator's on death's door and cannot vote in favor of this bill. Craig, what'd you make of this? Well, I, I was, I mean, I in a weird, creepy way, would love to have that kind of self-esteem where I could just lie and never consider that anybody would check the lie. Basic, even a basic fact check. Yeah, basic, but like just a cursory fact check. Because you mean like I, that he's not going to get any benefits from the new tax plan? For, correct. <laughs> exactly. See, like, I go through my day, I tell the truth. People are like, is that true? And I'm like, probably not. And Because I thought it, and I'm not, I'm a flawed man, and I... And he's just like, here's something. Uh, there, yeah, we have it. We have it. It's just that he, there was a weird glitch with a senator in a hospital. And then he walks away like, nailed it. Yeah, it is. He is. Um, he can just look at the camera and lie, like with such conviction, you know. And he's done it for so long. It is incredible. It takes a. It takes a certain amount of. I don't know. But I don't know also, what that thing is. Pointlessly, like remember, Clinton looked us all in the eye and lied, right? But he was lying about something I kind of didn't give a shit about. I actually didn't care who he was having sex with. Maybe you did. I didn't care so much. I was like, I was in but, high school. But I, understood. <laughs> but I understood why he lied. Like, later, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that it lie. deep shit. He yeah, tried like, to lie to get out of a big problem. Yeah, like, you shouldn't Classic. lie. You shouldn't cheat on your wife, and you shouldn't have sex with interns, and you shouldn't lie. But the lie certainly has rationale behind it. This dude just lies pointlessly. About shit that doesn't even matter. Yeah. He, he just likes it. Uh, so what's next for healthcare? Uh, they're moving on to tax reform. There's still this open question as to whether or not tax reform will include healthcare. But one other piece of this, which will be uh, very difficult to fight, uh, but important that we do stay on it, is the way in which uh, the Trump administration will undermine Obamacare from an administrative level. You know, uh, that's, you know, Tom Price will, you know, get off uh, his Gulf Stream and, you know, fuck with it. Uh, so uh, Sam Stein and Gideon Resnick in the Daily Beast wrote up just a, a litany of what they're doing right now, and it's worth reading. The president has signed executive orders weakening the mandates requiring individuals to purchase insurance. His administration has ended contracts with firms who have provided in-person assistance to states using healthcare.gov. The Department of Health and Human Services has produced videos designed to undermine public support for Obamacare. HHS has reconfigured its website to make enrollment information harder to access. There has been little apparent effort to engage non-government partners that have worked in the past to reach uninsured populations. At the end of August, CMS announced that it would slash funds for marketplace outreach by 90%. HHS decided not to participate in pre-enrollment events with health advocacy groups. And additionally, HHS announced that it will shut down the federal exchange site for 12 hours for all but one Sunday during the open enrollment season. What are they doing? Yeah, what but is other right? than that, other they're than doing a great they're job. They're working very hard. And, they're, and by the way, the press person out of HHS gave a despicable statement uh, explaining why they were doing this, which was practically just a campaign statement as if they are not governing, uh, uh, trying to undermine Obamacare. So that's just, I mean, this is what is going to happen. They are going to do their best to try to destroy so Obamacare how, how from we, the inside. Because like, that's the terrifying thing about this administration to me is while the, you know the sort of uh, P.T. Barnum is out front distracting everybody with his crazy racism, all of this administrative stuff is going on behind the scenes. And one of the, the real silver linings that, that we see again and again is people coming out and protesting and the, you know, the ha handicapped group that went and flooded Congress and shutting these, these, all the activism has been amazing. But how do you fight against that? Like, yeah, that's, that's what I don't get. It's really hard, but the good news is... Uh, um, there are going to be, I think, people stepping up 
with ad campaigns and work to try to help people and make up the difference uh, in terms of getting public advocacy uh, for the exchanges for Obamacare and to kind of fill the gaps that the government is leaving open. And, and we're going to have more to say about that soon at Crooked. But um, th- it's hard. The hard, you know, look, there have been, I think we've learned a lot in these first few months. We've learned our, mis- we've made mistakes. You know, we've let our guard down on healthcare in the past and we didn't do that again. Uh, we've been able to activate people and, and, and fight a Muslim ban and, and protest and, and you've seen this incredible outpouring of, pouring of activism, but I think one of the real challenges is staying motivated. I mean, have a oh what do you think about God. that? Oh my God. I, like, I've been trying to keep up with everything, right? As we all are, like, it's our duty, whatever, but like, the Russian stuff is like juicy, gossipy to me. I'm like, ooh, how many meetings, bitch? What? You put that in an email? You know, like that stuff I can keep up with and like it feels like a thing that's like just a story that's unfolding. Whereas healthcare feels so depressing and I cannot like imagine hating a black president that much that you want everyone to die. Like, like y'all hate Obamacare that badly? Like, come on. Well, like, it's so depressing seeing how much energy and like you are going you way out of your way to make other people's lives not good. That sucks. Ooh. Sucks that he's going to do that. Yep. <laughs> Tax reform. <laughs> oh, this will be funny. Yes. <laughs> this won't be depressing either. <laughs> so I just want to touch on this quickly. Uh, you know, we don't have all the details yet, but Trump unveiled a new tax plan on Wednesday during a speech in Indianapolis. The tax plan cuts the corporate tax rate. It cuts the top individual rate to 35%, and it repeals the estate tax. Gary Cohn said that he could not guarantee that a middle-class family would not get a tax increase. And uh, Mnuchin... The impossibly, uh, in a tough category, the least likable member of the Trump cabinet, <laughs> congrats to him, whereas he's in the mail, said that he thinks that there will be $2 trillion of growth, so the tax plan will cut down the deficit, which is just abject nonsense. Um, this promise that they've made that they're going to cut everyone's taxes is simply not true, which means this is a giant tax plan to increase taxes on the middle class to pay for an elimination of the estate tax and a cut in taxes for the wealthiest people, including virtually every member of Trump's cabinet, Trump himself, and Trump's family. Tony, what do you think about that? You think that's uh, you think that's good politics? I think it's so insane that I can't imagine it's going to get anywhere near passage. So that's the good news. But we live in a world but, where well, that's true. Up yeah, is down. I hear you. But and um, another lie, bold-faced lie. President Trump said this uh, today, I guess. I will see no benefit personally from this tax plan. Either. Maybe he's admitting he said, no, finally I that he's broke. No better. This is not going to help me. And Gary Cohn said the same thing. Um, I don't know what to say. They're just. What is the thing? I'm shocked, but not surprised. Right? Yeah, they're just. It's incredible. It is incredible to go out there and be like, uh, "We're cutting taxes for billionaires, but not me. Not this billionaire. Other billionaires, which you'll love. Like, what's the what's the argument? Right? Like, we're cutting. The, and the fact that they're gonna they're they're gonna try to claim that they're gonna you know uh, they're saying, "Oh, you don't have all the details. We're gonna fix all these problems later." But they don't have the money. They do not have the money to uh, do what they're doing to the rates without causing an increase in taxes for the middle class and the upper middle class, which is, by the way, a problem that, that has been been there from the beginning of any effort to reform the tax code, which is if you want to reform the tax code, you have to go to where the money is, and if you want to cut taxes for, for fucking billionaires, you got to go and raise taxes on the middle class. So once again, they've stumbled upon a math problem that they and won't be the, able to these, solve. These, the great Republican deficit hawks, <laughs> right? Because you know, it's going to explode right, right, right. to a trillion whatever, in, you know, and, and there's no... I, I don't know. These, where, are the, where? these guys are obsessed with spending money on the military. It's just they like spending money on what they like spending money on. They have a dream that the money will uh, e- e- uh, sort of emerge from the sky because they cut taxes. But um, the truth is that the tax rate for the top level of Americans is, is kind of historically low. I mean, at its lowest, lowest, I think Reagan had it all the way down to 25, but that didn't last very long. But we don't know, I mean, most of us don't know this because we're roughly of a certain age in here, but the top tax rate under John F. Kennedy was 90%. <laughs> That's what it was. The top marginal federal income tax rate. Pardon me? And Eisenhower. And Eisenhower, exactly. And partly because we had this... <laughs> Craig, I want you to know that yeah. uh, we do... You know, we have smart vociferous yes. people here. Um, and I obviously have no, de- like, I have no experience with hecklers, because I'm like, oh, good. 
Join in. I will say, it is very rare in a comedy club for people to be shouting out top marginal rates (laughs) during the 50s. That's all you. That's all you. So that's a fun thing that happens here at Love It or Leave It. Um, I want to touch on this briefly. It's so fucked up and absurd. Anyway, it turns out the whole Trump cabinet has been flying around on private jets uh, this whole fucking time. Uh, spending hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. It goes to your point about these deficit hawks. And Tom Price today said he'd pay back the cost of his seat. His seat. Meanwhile, the plane was full of Price people. So wait, what, is he going to charge each of them? He said, I'll pay $51,000 or whatever it is for the $400,000 plane. But is he going to like make his staffers pay their portion? I don't think he can. I don't think he can make uh, uh, you know, government... Government bureaucrats pay for private jet flights after the fact. I hope he doesn't. But uh, pretty galling. What else is there to say? Fuck these guys. Private. You know what it is, though? You know, the one thing about it is they're all, it's, it really is a fish rots from the head because they got a taste of it, you know? They flew private and they're like, I'm not going back. And I don't have to because Trump is president. No one gives a fuck. Right? Mnookin's over there at fucking Treasury trying to get a military export, a military uh, air ex- escort to uh, like St. Bart's or something. Uh, Zinke's flying around on a jet. Uh, uh, Tom Price seems to constantly have to take private jet flights in an emergency to visit his son at college. Uh, Scott Pruitt, Scott Pruitt's gone fully bananas over at EPA. He built some kind of a quiet cube with yeah. taxpayer money. He's got a 24-7, yeah. round-the-clock, $800,000 security detail, and he's also flying private. What, what is going on over there? Well, you know what the model in a weird way is? It's these megachurch evangelical preachers. They lie to people who don't have a lot of money. Those people give them money, they take that money, and then they fly around on jets and build themselves mansions. That's kind of the culture. It's like President Creffro Dollar. It's like that's yeah. kind of where we are. You and know, you say for Tom Price, at least he was against it before he was for it. Because yeah. <laughs> he made true. this big split when he was you know, <laughs> in Congress saying, these private jets that public servants are flying on, you know, they're off with their heads. Didn't that's he? what gave him the idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> We'll leave it there. <laughs> when we come back, a segment called OK Stop. But before we get there, Craig Mason, there's something uh, people here may know about you, uh, which is that uh, you spent some time uh, with my, uh, one of my favorite uh, Republican primary challengers to not win in 2016. You were freshman year roommates uh, with Ted Cruz at Princeton. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, they all seem to enjoy it. I think that's great. Um, laugh it up. That's my pain. So <laughs> obviously we have to ask about the porn habits. So we're 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 going. Let's get straight to it, buddy. I'm sorry, I'm taking over the show. No, I want to know. I want to know. We're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to <laughs> okay, it. Just kidding. <laughs> but so in honor of Craig's experience, we are introducing a new segment called "Sweet Mother of God." My college roommate is Ted Cruz. <laughs> In which Craig will share with us one story before each break about his experience in college. Craig, the floor is yours. Uh, Okay, real quick story. Uh, Very early on, I I got to my room and there was Ted. His name uh, on the the assignment was Rafael Cruz. So I said, hello, Rafael. And he's like, oh, no, I go by Ted. And I was like, I think we're already in trouble. he had a milk crate. We all, that was our classic storage then. He had all of his books, and I looked into the pile of books, and there was a paperback. It, it was in Spanish, but the title was, Was Karl Marx a Satanist? Question mark. And I thought, no, he was not. I don't, not really a reason to write a whole book about it. Ted, unlike uh, most of us who knew to only have a class after 11 a.m., he would he, he registered for a whole bunch of 8 a.m.ers, but then he would not wake up. He would set his alarm for 7 a.m., but then he would just hit the snooze button over and over and over. Monster. And I was like, dude, you got to stop. And he's like, I will, but he never, ever did. So eventually, I just crazy glued it. And to me, that is how you have to deal with Ted Cruz. You have to crazy glue his snooze button. Until you do, he will keep hitting it. When we come back, okay, stop. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. 
Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5-gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Now for a segment called OK Stop. Yesterday, Paul Ryan uh, spoke to one of America's worst people, Sean Hannity, about just about his relationship with Donald Trump. Uh, let's watch together, we'll pause as we go, and you know, we'll comment. Let's talk about Congress and the President. I know people that sit in Senate private closed door meetings, and they write me what's said. I'll give you names, Ben Sass, John McCain, at least 10 or 12 senators that don't want the President to succeed, Republican senators that openly trash the president what's your relationship okay stop no shit right like he's saying this like it's shocking of course they think that most of these senators are are even the republicans who are even i mean now we maybe roy moore will get to him but of course they think that what kind of rational person would hear that and go the problem is with those people there's a whole bunch of them there's one trump they're all in agreement he's an asshole it's, it's, it's very the opposite good. of that. We have a great relationship. Are By you way, happy with this presidency? I'm very happy, but you don't have that in the House of Representatives. Okay, we stop. Have- before we get there, first of all, just the display of a Speaker of the House just groveling before this fucking dumb goon. And also, just keep in mind what we've heard so far, right? He has a great relationship. He's very happy. Very cool. Caucuses every week. You don't hear that kind of talk from, from, the, from the House of Representatives. I have not heard it from House members. So you don't hear that from House members. Look, I think the president is giving us the kind of leadership we need to get this country back on the right track. Is there anything Just today about his agenda on, that you think is not conservative? Not that I can think of. Okay, stop. So we just want to keep up with where we're at. Very happy. Uh, the right leadership, taking our country in the right direction. It's conservative. Can't think of anything that's not conservative. All right, let's keep going. Any big disagreement you have with no, them? No, no. And you're re- so really it comes down to the Senate. The okay, Senate stop. Is- no big disagreements. I think that's important. I think this video is important because eventually there's going to come a point at which someone like Paul Ryan is going to tell us that Donald Trump was really a Democrat. <laughs> and when that happens, I want us to remember this clip. He's a conservative. He's very happy. It's the leadership we need. No big disagreements. That's all I really wanted to say. <laughs> People need to focus their attention. Look, uh, I love to bash the other guys. Uh, I can control what we can control, but we're doing our job here in the House, and we're, we're rooting for our Senate, friends in the Senate to get this stuff done. We're really disappointed in health care, yeah. but we still got a chance of getting a lot of these big things done. We'll be- okay, stop. <laughs> no big disagreements. Very happy. Conservative. Loves the leadership. I also love that he's always doing the lip thing where, where you can tell a man is about to lie to you. <laughs> what is that? I want to know how to not do that. It's, it's right there. That's it. man's That's right it. here. It's like, so just for, for the people listening at home, it's sort of a purse thing. It's like a... Um, you will, if you watched Kevin Hart apologize <laughs> recently, he's also Ooh. given you the same lip. By the way, very chari- of you, charitable of you to describe those as lips because... Indeed, they yeah, are... Not really any flesh. Sub-lip. Yeah. Subterranean. Yeah. <laughs> sort of skin and teeth. Um, and that... <laughs> just, that's the Paul Ryan, I'm lying to your face. Cool. <laughs> and that's okay. Stop. Now for a segment called Sweet Mother of God, my college roommate is Ted Cruz. Craig, you're up. Uh, so... Uh, we lived in a hallway, it was a co-ed dorm, and across the hallway from us, through, through a door, there was a hallway that just happened to be all women. So, you know, our hallway was mixed, but that hallway was all women. Ted 
Oh my had god. A, had a robe. I ain't done with you yet. The robe was not, it was not silk. It was not even fake silk. It was like fake, fake silk. It was like a sateen. It was purple and it was paisley. This was 1988. So that was like Prince was the coolest man in the world. And then this was like a guy wearing like a cool man's skin, like Buffalo Bill had skinned Prince. And was just like, "Mm." I just, I'm not going to do it. You guys can vomit if you want so what he would do is he would kind of like Hugh Hefner's way, sorry, RIP, down the hall into that hallway with all these girls and sort of like, hang on. And inevitably, one of them would come to me and say, you have to get your roommate out of our hallway. And I'm like, you're talking to me like my dog is shitting on your lawn. I don't control this motherfucker. I don't want him here either. And scene. When we come back, a new segment called Presidential President. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5-gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest-cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk, text, and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. Now for a segment called Presidential President. Here's how it works. Our friend Tony Goldwyn will be using his best presidential skills to read a speech that's both fictional presidential quotes mixed in with lines from real Donald Trump speeches. Uh, what is your name? Lane. Hi, Lane. Hi. How are you? Wonderful. I wish, I wish I was wearing some merch. I do too, and we're going to fix that. We're going to work on okay. that. You are wearing clothes. I don't want people to... I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Be, <laughs> yeah. Uh, where are you from? From Houston, Texas. Cool. Yeah. Oh, that's where How's Ted Houston Cruz doing? from. Houston still needs your help, everyone, so send donations, please. All right. Right on. All right, good to know. So, Lane, here's how it works. Tony is going gonna, is gonna to bring his skills to bear reading both fictional presidential lines and Donald Trump lines. You will have to decide which are from Donald Trump and which lines are from a TV president. At any point in the speech, if you think you're hearing a Trump line, you tell us. Keep in mind, if you're wrong, you lose a point. If you miss one, a Trump line, you lose a point. Oh my God. Now, you may be thinking... This is a new game. It is a new yeah, game. Now, you may be thinking, what's the point system? What is the point system? Let's begin. <laughs> Hi, Lane. Hi. Before we do, can I make a shameless plug? Since you mentioned Houston for a, a charity yeah. that's doing amazing work in Houston and yeah. in Puerto Rico. For people that, in addition to the one you mentioned, americares.org. Check it out. They were on the ground in Puerto Rico as we speak and have done <laughs> ongoing work in Houston. So check out Americares. Anyway, in my best presidential voice, here's the speech. America isn't easy. America is advanced citizenship. We share one heart, one home, one glorious destiny. So today... Well, wrong, was, you no, missed I, one. I, I was Too fucking late, Lane. Oh Lane. John, 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 John. It's Coney Dre tomorrow, I'm thinking. You're going to use Yom Kippur yes, to try to get yes, a point yes. in a fake game? You're lucky it's Coney Dre tomorrow. Yeah. You're lucky you get to repent. I'm thinking I'm reflective. It's the high holiday. Oh, you're already, you're already in that mindset. Yes, yes. I All was right. going to say yes. So I'm on your side, Lane. Thank what you. What were you thinking? I was thinking that was Trump. All right, fine. The you one heartness, the one soul. Yep, you got it. You're right. Thank you. Okay, here we go. You ready? I'm ready. So today, I don't want to talk about the present. I want to talk about the future. The past was once the future, the future is, I should say, Oh, God, it unknown. sounds like Trump. No. It does, oh, but it's not. Yeah. I would have said Myers the same from Veep. Oh, just as ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> and let us also say, a lot happened today. Yeah, we she is. We love Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah, best yeah. wishes. And her statement was wonderful. And sad to see that she's going through this, but it was a great statement, and we're rooting for her. Tony, continue. Yeah. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, 
or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you. That's Trump. The people. She got it. That's Trump. Because 10 million of you can't even get a job, even though you desperately want one. That sounds like Trump. Frank Underwood, House of Cards. Oh, yeah. The rules of this game are opaque even to me. <laughs> okay. But is it bad that they all sound like him? That's horrible. I'm sorry, Lane. <laughs> I think she just figured out the way the game works. Like. We love Lane. You have to know whether or not you continue to have the momentum. And if you don't have it, that's okay. Because you're going to go on and you're going to learn and you're going to do things that are great. Trump. It made no sense, so that's a clue. Okay. Uh, So let it be known, all those who will seek to squash individual rights and freedoms may hear us. Your time has passed. Trump. Fits from scandal. Yeah, that was me, and I'm nothing like Trump. That was him. Do you remember that line? Yeah, I think I do, actually. I was looking at him, that sounds familiar. I think it was in a State of the Union address I I once gave amidst my sexual escapades. (laughs) It's a cool show. Something was going on beneath the podium. Oh, well, then uh, there's more of me if you think to hear it. (laughs) But I won't read it because you already got it read. Okay, here's the next one. The United States has great strength and patience. This is going to be a really hard one, I'm just going to tell you. Okay. But if it is forced to defend itself or its allies, we will have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Yeah, Rocket Man yeah, is on a suicide mission for himself gonna, and yeah, for his regime. I'm going to say that's Trump. Lane, oh. Lane, uh, uh, I've tallied the numbers. Uh, wait, hold on. Let me check with the judges. Lane, you've won. <laughs> Presidential president. You will have the gift card to parachute. Thank you. So that's coming your way. Give it up for Lane. Give it up for Tony Goldwyn. To take us into break one last time, it's time for our final Sweet Mother of God. My college roommate is Ted Cruz. Craig, take us away. So a little after uh, our first week together, um, I did uh, manage, I I claimed the top bunk because I just had a feeling. It seemed like the better place. But that meant that when I got super duper drunk and I puked, it went over the side and onto his textbook. That's a story where you're the villain, by the way. No, no, no. I'm a hero. I live long enough to become the hero. You have to understand, I've been living with this hatred of this one person for decades. Now, suddenly, everybody hates him with me. It's amazing. Anyway, Ted, uh, he starts, uh, he has no friends. No one likes him. We happen to have a lot of the basketball players in our, in our uh, building. And they have a poker game going. And they're like, oh, look, a sucker. So they're like, hey, Ted, you want to come play poker with us? And he's like, ah, friends. <laughs> so he goes to the room. Multiple weeks go by in which they are absolutely destroying him. He must have thought that he, oh, well, basketball players, I can meet them. No, they took everything from him. And so what do you think he did? He ratted them out to the university and they got in trouble. That's Senator Raphael Edward Cruz. And he didn't even get stitches and seen. Amazing, amazing. When we come back, the rant wheel. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Now for the rant wheel. You know how it works. Lands on a topic. We rant about it. It's not that complicated. Here are our topics today. Uh, 280-character Twitter, anti-vaxxers, the Scaramucci post, whatever the fuck that is, Megyn Kelly's debut uh, on today, Roy Moore, 
Uh, Mark Zuckerberg's statement vis-a-vis Facebook and fake news and all the rest, Hugh Hefner's passing, and audience choice. Let's spin the wheel. It has landed on Zuckerberg, and in case it did, I have a printout of what he said vis-a-vis Trump's tweet about Facebook being against him, and I thought it'd be worth sharing it because it is one of the most frustrating things I think he could have said. I want to respond. No, I'm not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Do it, do it. I want to respond to President Trump's tweet this morning claiming Facebook has always been against him. What do I do with my hands? Every day, I work to bring people together and build a community for everyone. Trump says Facebook is against him. Liberals say we help Trump. Both sides are upset about ideas and content they don't like? No! Wrong! That's what running a platform for all ideas looks like? I'm sorry. (laughs) A platform for all ideas. Guys, there's two sides to every story. Donald Trump made some shit up about Facebook being against him. Liberals are simply reading news stories and say the Washington Post and the New York Times saying, according to intelligence agencies, the Russian government used Facebook to launch a campaign against our democracy. And we have a problem with that idea we don't like. <laughs> fucking bullshit. That is fucking bullshit. That's it. I just... We're not mad. <laughs> We're not mad because conservatives are posting about deregulation, right, and, and, the, and, and gay bakeries. We're not mad about that. We're mad that, that Facebook got played and used to disrupt our election and that people literally showed up at parks in Idaho because some Russian troll told them there was an anti-immigration rally and we were fucking vulnerable and we still don't know what went on and we still haven't seen all the ads and they're still not being totally forthcoming and I'm fucking sick of Mark Zuckerberg's public relations tour and this spin, this overworked fucking statement, this ridiculous statement that feels like it went through 40 fucking rounds of edits to say fucking nothing to make a case about, let's find some more of it, who cares? This was the first U.S. election where the internet was a primary way candidates communicated. No. And also, what the fuck does that have to do with money being spent on bullshit lying ads to rile people up and divide the country? What does that have to do with anything? More people had a voice in this election than ever before. There's more people! (laughs) And you know what I can't tell? I cannot tell if Mark Zuckerberg isn't as smart as, as we think he is or he's too smart for his own good. But stop spinning. Stop eating local folksy sandwiches. Stop releasing videos of you eating toast and tell us what you're going to do to fix this shit because there's too many of us on it. You control too many of the ads on the internet. And, and at some point, being nice in your videos and talking about what, what you're doing to build a global community is not going to be enough. It's infuriating. Too much power in too few hands. We're out of time, guys. <laughs> Isn't that nice when people want more show? <laughs> All right, give it up for our panel. Heaven Nagatu, Tony Goldwyn, Craig Mazin, Mark Marin. Have a great night. live out your master chef dreams when you find a professional on angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well visit angie.com you can do this when you angie that